The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Attention, this is a police public order warning. You have previously been directed to leave. Leave now or force may be used. No further warnings will be given. And you're listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the HTM Podcast Network Online, HittingTheMarks.com, and of course, presented by Hami Media. On today's show, we're talking AEW Grand Slam Extreme Rules. Is it, or is it just rules? Is there anything extreme about this show? And so much more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news and this news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire show online at HTM underscore pod. Email hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. Let's bring in the tag team partner. He's the GAG from the PWC. He's the man on lockdown. He is the man, Jimmy T. Welcome back to your What's show. Cracking. What's cracking, Jargo, man? Dude. What is cracking, bro? Okay, before we get to the pro wrestling stuff, we got to talk, man, because Australia, you got to tell me what's going on in Australia, because we, we played the clip off the top every day, every day, every day, every day I Google what is happening in Australia, and I am seeing some fucked up shit, Jimmy T. You got to tell me, bro, what is happening in Melbourne? Dude. You know, I've always joked around, you know how you'd watch New World Order documentaries and shit like that, and deep down you think to yourself, hey, it won't happen to me, even though it probably will. Well, dude, I know what a police state looks like, and I'm telling you, dude, it is fucked up what's going on down here, man. And what does my head in the most? Our leaders don't care. You could be fucking chanting every day all you want, but this guy just gets... He becomes more of a fucking authoritarian, like, every day. He just doesn't give a shit, bro, and we're still locked up, but it is what it is. The the audio clip I'm going to pull for the opening of this show is so dystopian, and it was last week in Melbourne. You're hearing people over the police scanner. It sounds like a pre-recorded message, and the people just start chanting over the top of it, and you would think that, you know, we're, we're talking about some third world country, primitive, you know, society. This is Melbourne, Australia. This is like, you know, the most Western city that's probably on the Eastern hemisphere. Right. I mean, like, I don't get this, man. I, and it's kind of freaky. What is the lockdown status right now where you are? Well, put it this way, dude, if we don't reach percent double vaccination we ain't getting out of lockdown and no and no stores are opening up and i'll tell you one thing this is what caused that everyday riot and all that shit that, that's been going on basically they've they're not allowing construction workers right to go back to work until they're double vaccinated 
So, because of all the rights on that double shit, vaccinated. Sh- the, so, so are double you talking vaccinated. when you say double vaccinated? Do you mean like the first shot and the second shot, or are you talking like you're fully vaccinated and now you have to have a booster third shot? No, no, yeah. Wait till the boosters come around. Well, they're they're already coming here in the states. Are they? They haven't oh, yeah. even spoken about it yet here, right? But don't worry. Once we get our double vax, right, our two vaccinations, we won't open up because what this idiot said originally is once everybody's 70% vaccinated from the first one, we're reopening. Well, that was a lie because then he changes his mind to 80% double vaccinated, right? And to be clear, this, and this idiot is the premier of Australia. <laughs> Yeah, named Daniel Andrews, and I'm gonna say it right now, like I've been saying every week. Go fuck yourself, Dan. Dickhead Dan. Dickhead Dan. Dickhead Dan. So yeah, so the all the workers, all the construction workers, went to the union, right? Which are criminals anyway. These the Melbourne part of the union they called CMFEU. Get this. I'll tell you an interesting fact. And if you look into the history, it was the CIA that actually created it down here. True story. <laughs> it's a true story but anyway they're crims man and this guy who's the leader won't allow them to go back to work including the premier right and that's why this all this shit's happened you know what i mean his name is john sector and he pretty much sold out his own fucking shit you know what i'm saying now it, he's just full of shit if you are, are listening to the show you may notice that we do have a, a little bit of an audio issue and, and what the audio issue is, as I understand it, you've been having a lot of internet issues where you are. And when I say internet issues, my understanding is you are in such a lockdown state at this point that you can't even go on Facebook Live. Like they have like Facebook Live blocked in Australia because they don't want no. shit getting out. Wow. Well, I actually didn't know that. To be that's what so, I have heard. I heard that on Thursday. So, wow. like Facebook Live, Instagram Live. Um, when it comes to, <laughs> they don't want what is happening in Australia getting out. The mainstream media here in the United States is not talking about it yep. whatsoever. They also didn't talk about the protests in France where there were hundreds of thousands of people lining the streets. They didn't talk about any of the protests in the UK. Everything's like, yay, happy-go-lucky fucking pandemic here in the United States. Like, they are just having a fucking field day with this shit. They're going to vote on a $1.5 trillion spending package on monday that one's gonna pass and then they're gonna try to pass another five trillion with a t trillion dollar spending package for social infrastructure because you know the white man that's what's really dangerous we got to watch out for those fucking white people peter Steele from typo negative was right kill all the white people (laughs) he was very very caucasian if you didn't know (laughs) very caucasian but in saying that, dude, it's pretty surreal that we're going through this shit, man. I don't know if you saw any videos that I posted on social media. <clears throat> and b- before I say that... I haven't seen anything you have posted, dude. Not anything. Bullshit. Like, really? I thought you were offline for a week. That's why I sent you a message the other day and I was like, hey, is everything good with you? Because I hadn't heard anything. I hadn't seen anything in my newsfeed from what's going on down there in Australia. Like I have to go searching for it on a oh. daily basis. And I work for the fucking media. 
Wow, dude. See, I didn't know that. I have been posting, but I, but I've had internet issues at home. I've just been using my cell phone, obviously, to to post shit, right? But it's probably the algorithms, actually, Jago. Why you're not seeing any of my posts? And you saying how we're banned from Facebook Live and shit like that? Well, it makes sense because get this: while the riots were happening, the cops or the premier, the premier's denying it, right? But the cops set up a fucking a no-fly zone for the media. Mm-hmm. So while the riots were happening, the media weren't allowed to actually, you know, jump in a helicopter and, and go over the scene. I wonder why, right? See, they are trying to censor us, and you guys not reporting it. It's funny, because the United States was reporting it originally, right? But, the, but this, like, run of riots now that's happening, nothing. Shut that shit it's down. It's crickets. Yeah, man, they got that shit on lockdown, no pun intended, and I'm worried, dude, because I don't see an end to this. They say you're not allowed to fly out of the country, right? Unless you're Get the premier this. flying to the United States. Right, but there's planes every day, every night. <laughs> All I see is planes flying up. I'm like, what's going on over here? But yeah, our prime minister is in the United States right now. Did you know, and this is shocking, I only learned this yesterday, there is seven and a half million tourists stuck in Australia. Holy they can't fly shit. out to go home. Seven Holy and a half million. Shit. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that shocked me. I'm like, shit, do we have that many? Or is that like inflated? I don't know, man. But that's what they reported. Unbelievable. So, yeah, dude, lockdown. It is a convict frigging colony, right? I mean, shit. Nothing's changed, Jago. The cops are cunts here right now, dude. Well, they we, really are. We haven't done a Hitting the Marks podcast, myself and Rick, in a while. Um, and it sounds like that might be delayed even a while longer because Rick has some obligations that he has to take care of. So I wanted to get a little bit of talk on here just about what's going on in Australia before we get into the pro wrestling stuff, man. It's just, it's very dystopian. And especially if you're not looking for it, what's going on internationally with this entire COVID situation, let alone what's going on here in the United States. Cause you talk about like the no fly zone and whatnot. They tried to do the same thing at the Southern border here in the United States. In case you haven't heard, we had roughly 14,000 Haitians cross over the Mexican border into the United States. And they were all living under a bridge in Texas. 14,000. And this is Haitians, which seems very, very odd, but Here's the most fucked up part of the entire situation. The Haitians that, that number one, there's about 9,000 of the 14,000 that are going to stay in the United States. There are several hundred at this point, and they're all single men that they are sending back to Haiti. The problem is these people fled Haiti like 10 years ago and moved to Brazil after the earthquake. That's why they're migrating north, because the Brazilian economy collapsed. There's nowhere to work for all these Haitians. So they have migrated through Mexico to the United States' southern border, and they're trying to come here for opportunity. We're deporting these people back to Haiti. They haven't been in Haiti for a decade, and there's nothing there for them in Haiti, and there's already a humanitarian crisis going on in Haiti. It's just, it's absolutely freaking miserable. 
And, and the narrative about it is just, it's so freaking wrong. It's so freaking wrong. And it just drives me freaking insane. See, I've seen that on the news, like just sort of skimming past it. I didn't know it was, because I was wondering why, why Haitians, what's happening? Is right. there a war going on in Haiti? But now that you've clarified that for me and how that works, and the Brazilian economy, to be fair, has been in the shit for like 10 years pretty much now. This yep. thing has been absolutely, Brazil is bad, man. The corruption there is ridiculous. People it's don't really weird. report about it, but it's pretty bad over there. It's weird. We never hear reports really coming out of South America here in the Dude. United States. Like we will hear stuff like about Mexico down in uh, Venezuela <laughs> and like the Central America area. And then it just stops. Like we, we, we never really hear anything about Brazil. We never hear anything about Chile. We never hear anything about Argentina. And my speculation is that's because they don't want to talk about the Nazi problem. But, you know, uh -huh. that's a whole other podcast. So <laughs> let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit of AEW, start things off here. Um, AEW Grand Slam coming to us from the beautiful Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, that venue's incredible. Like that very, very much. Um, but I did notice... That on Dynamite, that crowd was super hot. They were into everything that was going on. Then comes Rampage. And I couldn't tell if it was the audio mix because it was a pre-taped show and they played with the audio levels or if the crowd was just exhausted after what they had already seen on Dynamite. Um, I need to watch Rampage again. For those who haven't heard, we have a new puppy here at the Jargo home. So, you know, running around and, and trying to catch clips of Rampage as it was airing last night. I need to go back and rewatch the entire show. But the crowd seemed very, very different for Rampage than Dynamite. Did you notice that at all? I did. And to be fair, I think it's the latter of what you said. I think that was just guessed, bro. I mean, going back to Dynamite, after that first matchup, dude, how do you top that? I mean, and you got to sit there for four hours, let's be honest, right? Right. I mean, by this point, I think they were ready to go home, man. Well, four and hours, hours and there were dark matches. Oh, dude. Ah, I would have fallen asleep there. I'm not going to lie, right? And didn't they originally report that Rampage was supposed to be live this week? I don't think so because I th I think they they made it pretty clear that both shows were coming from Arthur Ashe Stadium. Right. right. Um. So I I I think that everybody just kind of knew. Okay. But it was That's it was strange. odd. I didn't really hear spoilers for Rampage. I did see spoilers come up on my feed a day before the show aired, but I didn't click on it. Obviously, I wanted to watch it firsthand. But man. I just want to say, Arthur Ashe Stadium is so fucking beautiful, man. Oh, man. Incredible venue. Incredible. Incredible. I hope moving forward, you know, there's more, more wrestling events there. But get this. It was a milestone. <laughs> Not only was there 20,000 people, or well, over 20,000 people, but there were over 20,000 people double vaccinated for that event. Did you know that? I did know that because it's New York City. It, that, that was not an AEW thing. That's a New York right. City thing. Um, how much of that is AEW planning a flag? 
Like, huh. could, is is Arthur Ashe Stadium going to become the AEW version of MSG? When's the last time? Why not? You, like, are are, are we going to see? Because like, I don't think it can go understated what Madison Square Garden means to Vince McMahon. Like, that is holy ground to Vince McMahon. Not very much is holy to Vince, but Madison Square Garden absolutely is. Absolutely. He's going to take this personally. AEW drawing 20,000 people in New York City. If he didn't care before, like, that's going to piss him off. And I think we saw uh-huh. a little bit of that on, on Monday Night Raw. I mean, you Roman Reigns wrestled three matches on TV this week. Does that happen if AEW is not drawing 20,000 people in New York City? No chance. No pun intended, but no chance in hell. You know what I mean? There is no way. And Vince can say whatever he wants, right? He will say, he'll deny that, right? Absolutely he'll deny that. Right. But make no bones about it. This is exactly why we've seen what we've seen with WWE this past week is because of AEW. And I hope Arthur Ashe Stadium is their MSG. Because it's a beautiful place. The, the the acoustics in there is nice, dude. Like, that's I really I, love the way it's... That's, right. That's why I thought it was so weird, because Rampage just sounded different than Dynamite. Maybe it was my feed, but it just... Nah. It sounded so different. Even, like, the punk match. And it's like, I'm, I'm oh. watching the crowd, and I'm like... Like, they amplified the commentary, because commentary was hard to hear on Dynamite, because that crowd was so freaking loud. So it's like in post-production, they went and for some unbeknownst reason, turned down the audience so they could turn up the commentary and the audio mix. And I thought that was just a terrible mistake. Well, for me, because I watch it through Fight TV, not through TNT or whatnot. If I watch it through TNT, it's by illegal means. But I legitimately pay for AEW Plus to watch it on Fight TV. What is that? $9.99 a month? No, you know what? For me, it's five bucks American, seven bucks Australian. Okay. It's cheap, man. And you get all the Dynamite Rampages and other shit for With free. commercials like, you know or I mean? without? Sorry? With or without commercials? Uh, without commercials. So when you guys get the the um, the picture-in-picture part, right? we get full-blown commentary. We're hearing commentating. Actually, that's the best times to listen to the commentating because they fuck around a lot during that time. And unfortunately, before before now, when, when uh, Dynamite first came on television and all that, we are getting extras, dude. Like, we are seeing promos during the commercial. So when it was an actual commercial break, we were able to see the, the promos going on in the ring. It was pretty cool. And nice. even after the show finished, the cameras would still be rolling for an extra 15, 20 minutes sometimes. Unfortunately, now... They don't do that. So when 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 it cuts a commercial, we get just a, a screen that says Rampage or Dynamite. But when it's picture in picture, we still get all the audio and all the action that's happening in the ring. Nice. I've I've seen um, on YouTube a couple of those cuts because obviously I don't typically watch Dynamite live. I'm asleep when that is, is happening. Right. So I'll, I'll every once in a while I'll catch that feed on YouTube and listening to Jr. especially during those commercial breaks <laughs> is freaking priceless. Just priceless, priceless, bro. Great stuff. Um, you know what? And 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 a lot of stuff has been missed out. Like just like what Jericho said to uh, Jericho was saying it to CM Punk a couple of weeks ago when Punk was on commentary. When Punk I think it was on Rampage. 
Yeah, when Pug right, right, fail. yeah. And uh, someone mentioned, uh, you know, da- you know, Danny Garcia, the the wrestler. Mm-hmm. Jericho said to CM Punk, like a Danny Garcia joke, but referencing to the Rock's ex-wife, who's named Danny Garcia. And you had to really like, you know, be in it, like, you know, a real mark to actually understand what they were saying. Right. But it was fucking funny, bro. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny, man. Yeah, you have to hear it to like for me to give it justice because I'm not giving it any justice. But it was great. Let's let's talk about the show. Um, there's been a lot of conversation about them opening the show with Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Um, and then having Britt Baker defend against Ruby Soho in the main event. I have been a firm defender of it on every show that I have been on. I think it was the right call. You headline with the championship, especially if you're going to do a 30-minute draw. Um, what did you think about the decision? Were you like, oh, shit, they're going to open with this? I mean, to me, I kind of expected it. Well, same here, dude. It didn't surprise me one bit because let's be real. A match like that should be first, right? I know people are going to argue that because of that match, it absolutely fucked the rest of the card up, right? And I can see that. But you want to give these guys as much time as possible without having to worry about the time of the match. You know what I'm saying? Like a match like that, you need to have it at the start of the show. It sets the tone. Yeah, sure, nobody could really, you know, top that. But come on, (laughs) I was happy to have it at the start, especially if you're going to go with a fuck finish like that anyway. Well, and I kind of feel like at this point, we should expect AEW putting on big matches to open the show. Like this has kind of become the standard for AEW. They like to open the show hot. And when I say open the show hot, Don't be surprised if they put the main event in that opening spot because they want as many eyes on it as possible, you know? So I I do understand it. And as far as headlining with the women's title, Tony Khan said at the very inception of AEW, if a world title is on the line, it should headline the show. And I very much agree with that strategy. I don't think the match was good. Um, I, I think Britt Baker and Ruby Soho, they just don't have that chemistry inside of the ring. I've seen good matches from both of them. I like both of the talents very much. They just did not seem like they had any kind of chemistry, especially to go 13 minutes. But I still defend that it was the right decision to headline with the women's championship. Uh, look, absolutely. I mean, the match sucked, <laughs> really. It really did. And I guess that left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth because... It was the main event, and it's got a lot a lot to live up to, right? Right. But in saying that, it was the right call for Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega to be the first match. And you know what, man? That roar of the crowd, like the anticipation of this match, it gave me chills, dude. Yeah, I said it. They it gave me chills. They cheered a lockup. The crowd <laughs> yeah. popped for the lockup. Unbelievable, dude. The crowd popped just for the, re- the bell ringing too, dude. I mean, I mean, you could see it in Kenny's and, and Brian's face. Even Kenny was trying so hard to hide the smile, but you could tell Brian and Kenny were giving the, you know, they were looking at each other and they were both looking at each other like, oh, dude. It looked like Daniel Bryan, I mean, Brian Danielson, I've got to get used to that again, right. was kind of crying as he was walking out, dude. Well, I'm sure that was a big moment for Brian. Absolutely. 
Um, as far as Kenny goes, I've heard some people, I, one of the shows I was on, somebody had made the comment that, you know, Kenny just, he didn't like the way Kenny had come across with the smirking and whatnot. And uh, like, like he was, idiot. like he was really happy about this. He was excited to wrestle Brian Danielson. And I said, well, in, in Kenny's defense, he is an egotistical prick heel. Like he should be excited to wrestle Brian Danielson and put this to bed. Like, that was best bout machine Kenny Omega. Fuck yes, it was. And it was. And I, I even felt like him shaving for the match was like a big indication. Like, okay, we're not doing the cheese thing. Like, this is okay. We're 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 really fucking doing this. And then they go out there and they go thirty. And I thought the smartest thing about this match was it was a really good four star match, and it was a really good four star match by design. Like they held back enough so that when they redo this and we can actually have callbacks and we can have the creative program and we can lay out the story. This was chapter one. Don't expect the finish to happen in 30 minutes. Like this is something that you can see go on in AEW the way that they tell their stories for 18 months, for two years, where this is, they're dragging this thing out. This was only chapter one, and I thought they held back by design in this match, and both of them showing that restraint I thought was really, really smartly done. Well, I'm glad you said that because I felt Kenny was holding back a little bit until midway through the match, and I've got a feeling that um, Brian Danielson and his head injuries, as we all know, right? I think Kenny was trying to be, you know, careful, understandably. But then you see during the match, basically Brian Danielson was potatoing Kenny a few times, which looked like it's like, snap out of it and start hitting me, you bitch. You know what I mean? Like, stop being scared. Start. <laughs> and then he dropped him on his tailbone. Seat. Yeah, dude. And that what about scary. his forehead? That was when scary. They did... Yeah, dude, he battered Brian Danielson. I'm not going to lie. He looked, he looked battered by the end of that match. I mean, even Kenny, he had a bruise on the side of his face, it looked like, dude. I mean, well, these guys I left mean, it all out there. I, I made the comment to Billy Ray Valentine. Shout out to Billy Ray Valentine. What up, Billy Ray? This was the closest thing to a New Japan pro wrestling match that I have seen on American soil. And it was... The pacing of it, the the presentation of it, the climax, the submission yep. holds. Like yep. I, I, I thought this was a strong style match. It made me really want to see Brian Danielson in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Huh. But I mean, I just thought this match it was so smartly constructed by both guys that it was like a five star, four star match. Like it was the perfect <laughs> four star match by design. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've never heard that that term before, but it was. Look at the way they started the match. They started wrestling that, you know, that slow rest holds. It was Okada and Tanahashi. We just saw them do it too. Like, it's the same formula. That is strong style. Like, people people think strong style is something that it's not. Strong style, I I just did a whole show with Paz over at the two-man power trip. It's a half hour long talking about this. Strong style is New Japan Pro Wrestling Sports Entertainment. It is, like, the very foundation of the company. It's the psychology of the match. It's the pacing of the match. It's not just, let's go out there and hit each other in the face with forearms like people think it is. It's, like, the very foundation and psychology that in no case 
Suzuki had when he put together New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this was strong style personified from both guys. It was great. It was awesome. And and that was the best belt machine, man. For the first time in AEW, we yeah. got to see Kenny of old. And boy, did he pull out all the stops too, man. He was he was bringing all these moves back, dude. It was almost feeling like he was working baby in one at one stage, dude. I mean, look at him. He came out in blue, right? Is, is it ridiculous to think that that happens at some point during this feud? If this, like, this is part one, right? Part two is, is something completely different. And then by part three, Kenny's the baby face and Brian is the heel. Is that unreasonable to envision? No, it's not actually, because when you look at it, has Daniel Bryan, oh, here we go again, Brian Danielson, right? Brian Danielson's he, a dick. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's a freaking dick, right? I got till if five. <laughs> but it's true. It is true. If you really break it down, look at the way he's been in AEW. He hasn't been that white meat baby face. Yes, yes, yes. Nope. Brian he hasn't Danielson. done the yes champ once. And I, I wonder how much of that is he just doesn't want to do it anymore. You know, maybe. And, and and I understand, like, when I hear like Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons talk, like, <laughs> what's the one song that you wish that you couldn't play anymore? And it's rock and roll all night because they're just they they're sick of it. <laughs> like they oh, like they want to be known for something other than rock and roll all night. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what? I, I bet most bands out there hate their most popular song. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's, I bet Living Color hates freaking Cult of Personality by now. But yeah, but you they love I mean? the royalty checks. True. I mean, shit. Who wouldn't, right? But uh, yeah, man, it's true. Daniel, I mean, Brian Danielson is a dick. All right. He's yes. not that white meat baby. He's not that white meat baby face. No, you go right? back and watch those matches against Nigel McGuinness and tell me that guy's a white meat <laughs> baby face. Like, I mean, <laughs> get the fuck out of here, right? I mean, and 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 it's great. Like, I love it. Like, he is so good at that character. But he's even said, like, you're going to see a more aggressive Brian Danielson. And it's like, okay, yeah, if you're going to be the American Dragon, then give me the American Dragon. Not Fuck not you. like you hate me because I'm a vegan. I want, like, <laughs> full on, like, I'm a dickhead Brian Danielson. And I could see as I look at the roster right now. I could see a case for Kenny to turn babyface over the course of the next year to a year and a half because one of the biggest babyfaces in the company turned heel on this show. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, like that spot, you could easily slide Cody into the role that Kenny is in currently. Easily. Easily. And even, uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but even Punk... Right. has dropped the seed again about turning heel. He pretty much said it like it came out of his mouth, you know, in the promo. But, man, Kenny's definitely, I feel like, turning baby again as well. He's they do this good. for a reason. Everything's done for a reason. He's too good. It's He's hard good. to boo Kenny Omega. Like, when, when he is wrestling at this level, it's hard to boo Kenny Omega. That's why he has to grow stupid facial hair, you know, just to get heat. <laughs> yeah, and people don't understand it, man. A lot of the newer fans of Kenny, or they're probably not even fans of him, don't understand his persona, really, right? 
and they just think he's overrated. He's just the guy everyone used to crap on about and blah, blah, blah. No, trust me when I tell you guys, he's much better than you guys even realize it. Yeah, as much as I enjoy like super villain Kenny Omega, when he's like over the top, you fools. Yeah, you know? I love like, it. Yeah, fuck yeah. But it, <laughs> it is, it's incredibly over the top, but he is much more suited for a babyface role with his style and his offense. It's just, you're fighting a losing battle, you know? Absolutely. And look at these, look, look at the moves he pulled out. They were all babyface Kenny. All right. He's, when was the last time he that did was his best term, Terminator machine spot? Kenny. It was, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He was doing moves that he hadn't pulled out of the bag in months, bro. Even years. The You Can't Escape when he did that, I hadn't seen that for, for, for how long? You know what I mean? And and even the, uh, the, he pulled out another move that he hadn't done in ages either. The 450 Splash, what's the it Phoenix called again? The Phoenix Splash. The Phoenix Splash, right, that's it. Like, he hadn't done that since Moxley. Yeah. Two and, years and ago, I think. And anybody who remembers the Golden Lovers, that was the Golden Shower. Exactly. <laughs> the Golden Shower. The Golden Great Shower. Name. <laughs> well, I mean, when you got Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega both doing a Phoenix Splash on top of a guy at the same fucking time, who gives a <laughs> shit a what you call it, right? <laughs> I mean, like, the fact, like, that's one of those moves where it's like, how the fuck did you guys come up with that? Like, get the fuck out of here. Absolutely, man. I mean, you don't do those moves unless you're working, baby, man. And like, you don't you, know, you don't do those moves unless you're working with Kota Ibushi. I mean, and that too. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, shit, man. But this match, I give it a five star match. It had it all, man. Like you saying, five star, four star match is well put. But I fucking loved it, bro. I loved it. The way they started, everything you could tell, everything had a different. It was like three parts to that match. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying. And it was well, it was beautifully done. I called it last week. I did say it was going to be possibly a draw. I just had yep. a feeling. It was the only way it could go. Or what you suggested would have worked as well. And in many ways, that kind of happened too, man. Because right. I felt like Brian Danielson was pretty beat up by the end of it, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, even Kenny. But I knew it was going to be something like this, man. It had to be. You don't book that type of match on Dynamite and expect a title change I mean, it was, sorry, there was, it wasn't even for the title, as it shouldn't be, right? Right. But if anyone was expecting a proper finish, come on. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Completely agreed. I thought it was really, really smart. Uh, let's talk about CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk comes out, cuts his promo. You know, he's 48 hours before uh, his first television match in seven years, in case you haven't heard. Um, there's This promo seems to be a little bit polarizing. And uh, I, I just want to shout out to my friend, Phil, who's obviously a listener of the show, who has heard me calling him Happy Punk, um, I, although I'm sure I'm not the only one doing that. And he says, you know, Happy Punk's only here for right now. Like, we're enjoying this right now. And you, there's some people who say that you want to see me as a dickhead. And don't worry, I'll get back to dickhead <laughs> Phil. Like, that's going to happen. But first, I got to get pissed off about something. Because, you know, AEW is basically my utopia. If I was designing a pro wrestling promotion, it would be AEW. Everything that I said, you know, back in 2011 is not what AEW is. This is my utopian world. And so I'm waiting for people to piss me off so that I can actually get back to being CM Punk. And in the meantime, we're just having a party. That's what <laughs> I took from the promo. And then he stated all the reasons why Powerhouse Hobbs has pissed him off. 
okay, I can get behind this. I thought this was a good punk promo just as far as kind of laying the foundation for where we're going going forward with CM Punk. Absolutely. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I giggled at him saying we're going to get the old punk. I mean, he, he said it. So everything that you pointed out last week, Jago, right, is, is done on purpose. It really is. It confirms it. It totally confirms it, and everyone skimmed over it. I mean, shit, I had to go back on it to figure it out, right? So now it confirms it for me. He definitely will be coming, will be becoming that dick CM Punk that we all love, like, you know, in the past. But until then, we're going to have happy feel. <laughs> happy Phil. I love it. Happy Phil. Happy Phil. That might be the title of the episode right there. Happy Phil. Love it. Happy love Phil. it. Let's talk about somebody who's not happy, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, MJF, you know, yelled at his dead father in hell and then, you know, <laughs> beats him up. I mean, that's pretty much like the story that they told here, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, MJF is such a throwback to an old school heel, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I almost feel like for, you know, Happy Phil... MJF is the next logical step because I, I want to see babyface CM Punk feud with a heel MJF before we get to dickhead punk. Like I, <laughs> I, I but I feel like we're getting so close to dickhead punk that we've got to do the feud with happy Phil and MJF now, <laughs> you know, so we can get to dickhead Phil down the road. And I think MJF needs to go over in that feud when it does happen at first. Right. I can get behind that because I think MJF at this point would benefit largely from giving CM Punk his first defeat inside of AEW. And I think happy Phil would benefit from losing to somebody like an MJF. And it's kind of like, Oh shit. It, it, things just got real. Right. I mean, look at it. Did you watch his match with Hobbs by any chance on Rampage? I did. We'll get to Rampage after we talk. Okay. Okay. All right, all right, that's cool. All right, I'll I'll get to that later. But um, all I'm saying is, it would work. It would benefit both of them. It really would. That way, you can have a swerve. I mean, I'm not saying MJF should turn baby, because he no. shouldn't, right? He should not keep him like this because he's a natural dick. I mean, he told his his mum to go fuck herself, dude, on Twitter. Did you catch that? <laughs> Nothing How that kid that? does at this point surprises me. And there's a lot of people who don't like MJF shtick and say that he goes for cheap heat. And that is true, but he also goes for intelligent heat. And right. at a certain point I realized MJF is just going for heat. He doesn't care how he gets it. If it's cheap heat, if it's well thought out heat, if he's got to punch somebody in the dick heat, if he's got to tell you that, you know, your mom sucks dick, then that's what he's going <laughs> to do. Like, I, he does not give a shit, and I love that about him. He is a, a true throwback to an old school heel. Like, kayfabe is a very real thing to Maxwell Jacob Freeman, and I appreciate that about him and his act. Absolutely, he definitely is a throwback. You know what? He kind of reminds me of Ted DiBiase in many ways, right? Yeah, that's a good that's a good it, comparison. That's just the the impression I kind of get, but it also has that Erwin R. Shaster schmuckness about him too. You know what right. I'm saying? So he's a throwback to to an old to all sorts of old school heels, but 
I feel the good thing about his cheap heat, and I'll give him credit for this, he ends up using it against the people that say it anyway because he's self-aware. Right. So he almost does it on purpose anyway just to get that that reaction anyway. So really, those people that don't understand it, he's just saying it's cheap heat, and sure, it is, right? But he's just played you guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. For even going there because he knows that's where it's going to go. So the fact that he's self-aware... He's brilliant to me, man. He reminds me so much, and I've made this comment way too many times. He reminds me of Chris Jericho in like 1996. You know, I can see that. Definitely. When Monday Night Jericho, where he was just insufferable, (laughs) just absolutely insufferable going out there cutting 30 second promos that you just wanted to see him get punched in the face. You know, and I think MJF Definitely. is fantastic at what he does. And then there's Brian Pillman Jr. Um, <laughs> I like Brian Pillman Jr. as a talent. I'm all in for the ride that we are going on with Brian Pillman Jr. Because I think in like three years, he could be really, really good. Because I, I th- think back to when I first saw him and it had to be about two years ago. And he has come so far in that amount of time. And I hope that he continues on that progression. And three years from now, he might be really, really good. But right now it's kind of rough. I kind of like how you said he might be really good because you know, we're not sure, but he's clearly putting in the work. He's trying. Unfortunately for him, I feel like he's getting fed chicken shit. Like, and I'll tell you why. The thing that I don't like about this whole feud and what's been happening is he got destroyed, dude, verbally. He yeah. got absolutely hammered, and I felt like it should have been a blood feud where if, you're, if your mom got called Metheny, for example, and the way MJF absolutely destroyed his family, right? Right. There's no fucking holding back, man. He should be attacking MJF from the get-go. I'm talking about absolutely pounding in blood, like, you know, Punching him to in the bloody pulp. But we didn't get that. He held back. You know what I'm saying? Sure, he got his comeuppance, but not that's, really. That's what ruined Brian Cage for me. When, well, where's when, he? When, when he didn't come after Sammy Callahan, right? Like, there was I Bound for Glory a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. When, when, you know, Sammy Callahan, you know, gives Melissa Santos the pile driver. Cage is, you know, tied to the ropes. And then for the match, he comes out dressed as the fucking Terminator and he's posing on the ring and, you know, trying to get all his shit in for the entrance. And I'm like, no, dude, Sammy's already in the ring. You should be running to the ring, jumping over the top rope and just, you know, mauling him because you're finally getting your hands on Sammy Callahan. And, and Absolutely. That, that was where Cage lost me. And it was like, he just doesn't get it. Thank you, because... Me and Chris were saying earlier on the Carnage show, right, where we review uh, Rampage, right, how, you know, we've got a little new segment called It Don't Work For Me, Brother, right? <laughs> right? And this is one of those cases, yeah? Right. Brian Cage needed to sit there. I mean, I don't understand how he agreed to do some of these jobs, right? I would have been like, what do you think Hulk Hogan was as, was as successful as he was? You know why, Jago? Because he was impossible to work with. Because it don't work for me, brother. 
Well, that's why. Okay, but let, let let's take the other comparison and let's take it into a modern context because this is a name that I've heard thrown around as potentially headed for AEW. Roosh. His contract is up at the beginning of January with Ring of Honor. He's currently injured. Um, I'm, I'm doing that with air quotes for those of you who can't see me. In other words, everybody but Jimmy. Um, <laughs> and he's just going to sit out his contract. Like, that's what's going to happen. And, and, and I hear the potential of Roosh coming to AEW and teaming up with Andrade and, and doing the Los Ingobernables thing, because we know where Roosh goes, Dragon Lee also goes and La Bicia also goes, who might be the, one of the smartest guys in the freaking world when it comes to professional wrestling. Um, but Roosh is a real pain in the ass to work with because I don't know how you say that don't work for me, brother, in Spanish, but that's pretty much what Roosh is. Just, you know what I mean? And I don't know if I would want Roosh inside of that AEW locker room right now. Wow. Is he that toxic? That's kind of what I've heard. Damn, and I'll take your word for it. Well, you know I, mean, I mean, think I'll... of how many times you've seen Roosh do a job over the course of his career. <laughs> It don't, yeah. Well, I don't know how you say it in Spanish, but clearly. it don't work for him, brother. You know, like, <laughs> it don't work for him, brother. <laughs> and 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 the thing is, I think Roosh is a phenomenal talent. I that dude is absolutely incredible. But everything I've ever heard about him behind the scenes is what you see on camera is what you get behind the scenes. Like that's not a gimmick. Like root, that's Roosh. He is El Ingobernable. So he's ungovernable, basically. Yes. He is El <laughs> Ingobernable. By comparison, just... by comparison, I hear his brother is like one of the nicest guys in the world. Right. I mean, look at Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee, even to... as a heel on screen, it's just like, come on. like, <laughs> It's true. It's true. Look, man, I love Rush. I want him to come to AEW. And this talk has been going on for a long time. Maybe that's why Andrade is not on TV lately since his Rampage match. Well, and I'm hoping how much of that is Ric Flair? Well, you can kiss that from ever happening goodbye now, Jago. I know, but now we have to completely rethink what are we doing here? You know what I well, mean? We have, we have to completely restructure what is going on with Andrade because everything seemed like we were going towards Ric Flair and Andrade's corner, and clearly that's not happening. So why has Andrade not been on TV? We saw a vignette on Rampage, right? Right. But, I mean, it, okay. You, you, like, what are we doing? I, no, I, I, true, I still say we go to El Triangulo de la Marta. What happened with that? That that that's like it didn't happen, oh, right? It's got to happen. It's got to happen. We'll get to that when we get to uh, rampage. Right. All right. All right. Let's uh, let, let's go on to uh, probably the most interesting thing that happened on AEW Dynamite, and that's with a four star match from Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. Malachi Black defeats Cody Rhodes. Um. Wow, a lot to unpack here. Was this a double turn? Because that's kind of how I took it. By design, no. Are I don't you think sure? So. Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm really not sure. A couple things that I noticed like right off the top, right? Before we even get to the match itself. 
Cody comes out with that ridiculous cape, right? Ugh. His his Homelander costume. Homelander is is the bad guy in My Hero Academia, right? Brandy, when she comes out, she comes out the heel entrance. Yes, right. Malachi Black, by comparison, when the match starts and the place starts popping for him, Malachi Black looks at Cody and he says, welcome to the house of Black. Like the, like the fans are now part of his crazed cult. I think this was a design double turn. It probably was, right? Let's be honest. I mean, it's it's hard to say that it wasn't, right? I mean, and if it was, brilliant, right? Obviously, they've been listening to what the fans have been saying. We called it. We knew that this was going to happen, right? We absolutely knew Surely, this was going to happen. Right. Surely, Cody must have known this was going to happen, you'd think. You know, well, I mean, I when mean, you come you out think? wearing the bad guy's costume with a cape right. that's, you know, 50 right. feet you long... And Brandy yeah. just has go away heat. Like, yay, Brandy's back. Go the fuck away. <laughs> it's true. But you know what? You know when she flipped the bird at Malachi Black, right? Yeah, and that's another one. Like, is that a baby face like move? Definitely not. But I don't think that was planned, though. I think she actually done her man a favor. I actually think she thought for herself because of the heat in many ways. Maybe I'm wrong. Cody clearly was responding to it during the match. He could he not changed. understand why people were booing him and cheering Malachi Black. That's clearly where this story has to go. And everybody likes heel Cody. That's the best Cody. So I'm fine with that. But Malachi Black as a baby face? Yeah. I Look, mean, like, are people fault. just going to cheer him because he's so fucking good and, and people like the character? Like, is he, like, Undertaker to the point? And I say that to the point where people just like the guy, even when he's playing a heel character. I'll tell you what it is, dude. His fucking theme song is fucking badass, dude. Yeah, it is. The entrance I'll is bet really you, fucking cool. Yeah, dude, it's that. I'm telling you, it's it's all his, his entrance, his song... I think that's what's gotten everybody to really, like, style, exactly. I mean, he's a shoot kickboxer, you know what I mean? I, I mean, dude, what is it not to like about this guy? I mean, there's some. <laughs> he's got something about him, dude. He doesn't even have to speak. And he commands that sort of aura, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's right. he's got something about him, dude. He's got that it factor in, in some way. He's not totally it, you know what I mean? I'm not saying he's going to bring eyeballs or anything. I'm sure he does, but it's not changing the changing anything anytime soon. But there's something about him, dude. You can believe he's really like that. So how do you book I mean, him? look at the tattoos. How, how do you, you book him? him? Like do I you, don't know. Do you just I think what I would I would book him as AEW shade of grey. To where That's cool. So like a devil's advocate sort of character? Right. To where he's not necessarily a baby face, he's not necessarily a heel. But if you did something, if you fucked up somewhere at some point, Malachi Black's coming for you. Like you have sinned and now you have to pay for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, like I think demon. that's what I do with him. I mean, granted that primarily a baby face, 
You know what I mean? Because obviously if you did something fucked up, you're, you're, you're probably a heel. But I'd make him well, like the Avenger, you know? Well, how about this? And this is probably far-fetched, right? But it just made me think. You talking then just made me think of something. There's rumors that Bray Wyatt could be debuting next week, I believe, in Rochester, New York, right? Could we get a Bray Malachi Black? Everyone thinks Dark Order. Fuck that. They're done. Done and dusted. Do not put Bray as the leader, if he's coming to AEW, as the leader of the Dark Order. Just keep him away from there. How about him and Malachi Black? I could see Where he's that. doing the work of Bray. I could see that if you... But I almost feel like that defines the character down a little bit, having him Does. be subservient to anyone. Um, right. I, I, I think I would have him as the true like lone wolf of AEW. Kind of like Sting was in the early days of the Crow character. Where he was right, just, right, you know, right. he existed on the Sting platform and he wasn't necessarily friends with anybody, but if you fucked up, Sting was coming for you. Like you and you knew like, it. Yeah. Right? Like kind of the crow storyline, really. Um hmm, Bray Wyatt. I could see Bray Wyatt if he is going to debut Wyndham Rotunda in AEW next week makes a lot of sense. Right. And I could actually see him as the great unifier of the dark order there's clearly something going on with the dark order where we're kind of seeing all the tension and the potential split inside of the dark order rochester is brody's hometown uh clearly we know the connection between Wyndham rotunda and mr brody lee if somebody was going to come in and they're going to try to keep the dark order together and you need that definitive leader to change direction and unify. And I could see Bray Wyatt in that role. But you see, I've got a gripe about that. At first, I would have agreed with you. Like if, if, you, if you said this, say, a month ago, I would have been like, yeah, no, no doubt. But it's going to come across the Raven flock to me because you've got a whole bunch of misfits Really, they're all jobbers, really. Let's be honest, right? They're pretty much all jobbers. Are we going to have Bray... Like, are you going to put him to that point? With Brody Lee, it kind of worked. With Bray, I don't, I don't know. Unless he's one of those guys where he takes it to the next level. Like, if they fuck up, he berates them. Like Raven. Like Raven pretty much did to the flock, right? Right. Something along those lines. But I don't know. And then in saying that, with Malachi Black and Bray Wyatt, they're very similar in a way with their characters, like that cult sort of, you know, brainwashed people and their followers and all that shit, you know? They seem to me like the story that you could do with between the two of them to where you have, rather than thinking of the Dark Order as Raven's flock, Think of them as what would have happened if WWE actually got behind the Wyatt family and Bray Wyatt had about eight or nine guys that would do anything he said and, and let Bray Wyatt turn that character up to where he wanted to take it to begin with and have the dark order as 
that family. I think that works versus Malachi Black, who has a lot of the same principles, a lot of the same right. thought processes, but a completely different way to present it. I walk alone. These principles are mine. You can't change me. I'm not joining your family. I could see like that tension for years between those two guys and have that be a really good program inside of AEW. Oh, definitely. For sure, man. See, the thing about Malachi, he kind of reminds me of even a Matrix character. Yeah, a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, a little bit, Like yeah. a red pill, blue pill. Like you yeah. said, that shade of grey. Morpheus. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. That's what. It, that's the vibe I get. It's kind of cool. Even though, yeah, he's cool. Morpheus he's Black. Lot. Yeah. Hey, 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 see, that sounds better than Malachi Black. Morpheus Let's be Black. Honest. Just give him some How black fucking say? shades too to wear with his like, little <laughs> skull mask thing. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Morpheus Black sounds so much better, dude. Seriously, it really does. But it, but he does. He gives me that vibe, and you know, like a devil's advocate character who, like Killer Cross, seems to be trying to do right now as well yeah. in Dota B. Like you know that Sean O'Hare, yep. you know esque style of uh, character, which even Malachi Black. I can get that vibe off too, but just ramped up to a whole different level. You know what I mean? And like I said, you know what his song actually means? His song is Dutch, right? I forgot the band's name because it's in a funny name. But the song, and I'm not going to say the word because I can't pronounce it. It's in Dutch. But the, the it means eye infection, which is which is great because the storytelling right there, I mean, the storytelling even with his song. Well, and I think there's there's something going on with that too, to where it spreads a little bit after everybody that he beats. Oh, that's awesome! It you gets a that- little bit bigger every time he beats yeah. somebody. Like he has taken a part <laughs> of that into him, it's like a soul reaper almost. Yeah, you know what I mean? like there's there's something that's awesome. There's something going on there, and and it, that's really interesting too. And one of those things we just gotta kind of watch how it plays out because he's very cerebral in the stories that he very. tells. So that that's something absolutely to follow. Uh, kind of like Sting. Let's talk about yeah. Sting and Darby Allen. They defeat FTR, who made the case once again that they are the greatest tag team in the world. They made Sting look like he was 31 rather than 61. <laughs> um <laughs> This might Absolutely. be the best Sting match I've seen since like Sting versus Flair like 30 years ago, right? <laughs> um, I thought this was really good. I do kind of question Sting and Darby going over, but I thought the more important thing was I felt like we're getting a little bit of tension between Sting and Darby Allen. Well, it's interesting because if you look at the last few weeks, Sting hasn't really looked happy. I think it's done by design. When I say happy, he's not going out there woo wooing everybody like all the time. He looks angry. Yeah. Like he looks like he's just got this frustration that he just wants to beat up everybody. He's not talking as much as well, except for the Cincinnati promo where he's like sincere. But other than that, he's been kind of quiet, letting Darby sort of have the the spotlight as he should be, right? Right. But if there's tension, I don't want to see a match between these two. I'll, I'll be honest. I actually don't want to see that. And my question is, how do you do it? Because 
you have a really hard time turning Sting heel. At this point in his career, people want to cheer Sting, so Sting Absolutely. has to be the babyface. Is uh, it? He has to be. <laughs> is it in any way, shape, or form believable that Darby could be the heel in this matchup? He's half the size of Sting. I mean... That's why it doesn't work. And Sting way, has dude. looked so good in the ring that I don't like you can't even be like, oh, he's the old guy and he just can't keep up with Darby. Like Sting's looked really fucking good in the ring. Um, I don't think you can do heel Darby versus babyface Sting. I, like he's so undersized. I just don't feel like it works. And no. I, you can't turn Sting heel. Like I, I just. I mean, you can, you can have Sting, like, take the baseball bat and beat the shit out of Darby Allen, but people are going to cheer it because it's fucking Sting and people want to cheer Sting. Like, it doesn't work. Like, I, I, on paper, it sounds good. Like, this is how you do it. But no, it like, it just doesn't work. It does not work. Not at this time of his career, man. 20 years ago, it would have worked. Right. Not now. And it would have been dope. Yeah, absolutely, for one hundred percent. See, and that's that's why it just I think they fit together. I like Sting in this role personally. You know what I mean? And he can still work. It, it was amazing to see. Well, FTR I mean, is really geez. good. They are really oh, good. Absolutely, they made Sting and look really good. They fucking did. And speaking of FTR, I just I've got a gripe with what they were wearing, dude. What the okay? NWO I'll tell you why. Out? I'll tell you why. Because of New Day, the Pinnacle. No, not oh. because of that. Even though New Day did it better, just quietly. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I think that was the two of them just ribbing on each other. I think that's really what it was. I hope it is because let's be real. The pinnacle, if it's a thing, right? And I use quotation marks there too. If it's a thing, they're supposed to be the Horseman, a reincarnation of the Horseman, right? Am I wrong in saying that? No. Even this song right. has got. Like, you know, a bit of the Horseman theme in it. So why are they wearing NWO shirts who were adversaries to the NWO, well, the well, Horseman and, and NWO? Well, the, the justification, on. if you listen to the commentary, Shivani put it over as they were trying to get into Sting's head because clearly yeah, the yeah. NWO was, you know, Sting's biggest rival, which is not true. But, you know, that's, that's kind of how they yeah. were that's kind of how they were trying to put it over. Like they're they were calling to another era of Sting. And it was like, no, they Sorry. were shouting out the new day. That's what they were doing. They were shouting <laughs> out the new day. <laughs> See, and that's my problem. And then you wonder why they've been getting jobbed out left and right pretty much. I mean, sometimes as good as the FT, as FTA is, right? They are arguably the best tag team in all of pro wrestling right now. Yeah, but arguably. are they real? You know the old saying, "Not the sharpest tools in the shed." Well, I mean, I feel like the AEW tag team division right now is loaded, and and people don't really think about it. But I mean, when you got you know the Lucha Bros on top, and then you got the young bucks and you've got um ftr you've got proud and powerful you've got the varsity blondes on their way up kind of as that younger tag team like there is that's a pretty deep tag team division no it is right but everybody's got to kind of take their turn at the top and they unfortunately much like wwe 
and kind of like their women's division, it's like we can't have more than one or two tag team programs going at the same time. Jurassic Express, you can throw into that as well. Like, uh, even now, uh, Jericho and Hager working together. You know, I mean, uh, the men of the year are on their way up. Uh, the acclaimed. The wall things as well. Um, uh, the Hardy family office with uh, Private Party. I, right. I like those guys a lot. Like that, it's a pretty deep tag team division, but everybody's got to take their turn. But the the problem with that Jago, it's FTR. <laughs> they shouldn't be in this problem. Like they shouldn't be having this problem with FTR. You know what I'm saying? I feel like they just they've been booked poorly, dude. Sure, well, they've been AEW okay. or champs. But- FTR had the belts for a while <laughs> on top, right? And then the Bucks get them. FTR goes down the card. Now we don't know what the Bucks are going to be doing now that the Lucha Bros have them. It seems like, to me anyway, Proud and Powerful are getting elevated up the card. People were like, well, we, we, we they need to push Proud and Powerful. Okay, well, if you're going to push them, you've got to de-push somebody else, you know, and because of the way that the TV format works. I mean, I, I feel like they're in a good spot. I feel like they're still really, really, really valuable. Oh, they're valuable. There's no there's no ifs or buts about that. Are they happy in their spot though, Jago? I that I don't know. That I don't know. I, 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 I don't know much about either one of those guys behind the scenes. Well, if if reports are true, if you remember back when they were in WWE, they weren't happy the way they were getting used, and they were getting used like shit. Right. right. So they left. Now surely they can't be happy with how they look right now. I just I would imagine they wouldn't be. Just like Puck or Pack, whatever you want to call him, I imagine wouldn't be happy with his position. He left out to be for that same reason. You know what I'm saying? I, I just think some guys are getting screwed over a little bit. You know what I mean? And that's not their fault. It's it's Khan's fault for bringing too many guys too soon and not knowing what to do with everybody. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, you know, if Pat could actually keep his ass in the country for more than, you know, six weeks, that would help. I'm just saying. No, it's true. And apparently he, he hates staying back in the States. He always wants to go straight back to Europe. And, and, I don't know and that's fine and dandy, but there's a global pandemic and travel restrictions right now. Yeah. You know, and I mean, how many times have we seen that with Pac where it's like he can't get into the country? And I mean, I think that's happened like three, four times now inside of AEW. And it makes it really hard to push him up the card. Like, are you going to be able to show up for the main event if we put you there? Yeah. I mean, is he mentally like in it right now? Because I feel like he's frustrated, dude. I, I, I feel like he's frustrated with the entire process. You know what I mean? Right. But in the ring, I see like he's putting across really good effort. I'm really enjoying the Andrade Absolutely. and Pac program. And right. I'm, I'm very too. interested to see where it goes. He's still on TV when he can actually be on TV. You know, um, Death Triangle just took the fucking tag team championships. I mean, I feel like he's in a pretty decent spot. It's kind of depends like let's say for example sammy guevara takes down miro wednesday night which i firmly support put the tnt title on sammy guevara pack and sammy guevara for the tnt championship seems like a really good match that they haven't done anything with at this point and i could easily see him sliding into that spot 
And those two guys just going out and tearing the freaking house down anywhere in the country. No doubt, man. I'm glad you brought Sammy Guevara up because I just want to add, it feels like destiny for him to beat Miro. It just feels that way. I hope they do pull the trigger with that. Well, Going I, by... Oh, but, sorry, we'll get to that. Sorry, continue on, Jago. I, I, I feel like time is numbered or time is limited for Kenny Omega as the champion currently. And regardless of who the baby face is that takes the title from Kenny Omega, whether it be Brian Danielson or whether it be Hangman Page, whether it happened at full gear, whether it happened at double or nothing, like regardless, I feel like Miro has to lose the TNT championship so you can rebuild him into that main event scene and have him ready to go as a contender to whoever that babyface champion is, regardless of how that program goes. I agree 100%. It's the only way you go. And it just, it looks like moving forward, that's looks like that's what's going to happen. I mean, going by what happened on Rampage and we'll get to that. It just seems obvious. Yep. And, and I like Sammy in that TNT title spot. Me because too. Sammy's what one of Sam? those guys that hasn't been on TV a whole lot, and it's like, what's going on with Sammy Guevara, you know? And he's over, too. Like, I don't understand yeah. that. But even when he makes his appearance, he could be the smallest appearance. He, he always sort of brings attention to himself somehow. That's how good the kid is, dude. Well, and the nice thing, he's not overexposed. He's not out no, there every not week. not at all. So when I only see him every two weeks or every three weeks, I missed him when I didn't see him. And that I, I feel like that's the big advantage of the AEW roster. And people talk about how overbloated it is. Yeah, but you can keep somebody like Sammy Guevara off TV for two weeks. And then when he shows up, it's a bigger freaking deal. Absolutely agree. And saying about how big their roster is, do you think they should go the WWE round in the future and split the rosters up eventually or nope. keep it like this? Keep it like this. Uh, keep it like this. Because I would rather one whole roster too. But yeah. I'm putting it out there because... It is bloating up, dude. Yeah, but I think I think it's in a really good spot. Like I really like where they're at right now. I do. Yeah, I agree. It's weird as the way Sammy's you know. Right. I True. mean, when I look at the WWE roster and it's like SmackDown has like twenty two singles guys and yeah. AEW has like eighty three or something like that. And it's like and people are like, Oh, the AEW roster is over bloated. No, it's just we don't see the same matchup week after week after week after week exactly. because the SmackDown roster isn't that deep. It's not. It's not. It's it's stacked, but it's not deep. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And we're getting the draft coming up in October anyway, so we'll see what happens there. But WWE should combine it again too. I know it means others miss out, but hey, man, it's survival of the fittest, man. Only the best should be on television, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's all—it's also about merchandise sales, and it's right. about Fox exactly. wanting their own championship and NBC wanting their own championship. And, I mean, like, there's a lot of different factors that go into it that AEW doesn't have to deal with, and there's no reason to create those issues. And that sh and those issues shouldn't even be a thing. If I was WWE, I'd put my foot down, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's just they've catered to them for so long that that's the problem and now they're like well we don't want to do that well we're giving you a billion dollars okay yeah we'll do that <laughs> you know like yeah eat shit and fucking love eating it you know what i mean anymore yeah, it's true man any other comment on Britt baker or ruby soho in the main event oh. i mean it, 
it just the match didn't I didn't feel like it worked, but I do feel like it deserved the main event spot. I totally understand why it was in the position that it was that it was in, but Britt Baker is so over compared to Ruby Soho. Well, it's, it's ridiculous. What, third, fourth match in the company. I think the third match. I think it's a third, but not the point. The point is she's the heel. Ruby's playing the the baby face. But can I just say one thing about her song? I know everybody loves the Ruby Soho song, right? Makes sense. But you know what goes through my head when I hear that damn song? What's that? Ruby, Ruby is a hoe. Ruby, Ruby is a hoe. That's all I fucking think when I hear the damn song. I'm sorry. I fucked my up for everybody now. My complaint is they start it like halfway through the song. Mm, that's like, true. I wish it just started at the beginning of the fucking song. Like every time I hear it, I, I feel like jarred. Like, I love that song. I I love Rancid. Out Come the Wolves is one of my favorite records of all time. But can I hear the whole song? Like, starting it in the middle, it just makes my head want to explode, you know? Like, Cult of Personality, right? Like, CM Punk comes out on Rampage, takes on, you know, Powerhouse Hobbs. They start that song at the beginning. They don't start it at the freaking chorus. (laughs) It's true, but in saying that, Malachi Black's song also starts midway because the original song, Goes for over 11 minutes, dude. Okay, so but nobody in the United States has ever heard that song. Mm. Ruby Soho was a pretty big song back in the 90s. Oh, absolutely. You know, huge. like... It was huge year, too. So, yeah, just, that's I can understand why everybody loves it. Just started at the fucking beginning of the goddamn song. <laughs> yeah. Hear that, TK? Crying out loud? Good God. No, but you're right, man. But, the, yeah, the match... Now, to be fair to the women... I don't know if it was just us being gassed after that first match. Just be honest, all right? Because after uh, Danielson and, and Omega, it was hard to like pay attention properly, man. Like it felt like everything else was a just down. right, right. And but in saying that, I, like I said at the start of the show, I agreed in having it, you know, the first match. But in doing that, you create other issues. So it was hard. It was hard either way, dude. They were, they were stuck between a rock and a, and a hard place. But Britt Baker and Soho got no chemistry. I feel like so, Ruby Soho, I know people love her, right? I'm going to say something controversial here, right? But I feel she's a little bit overrated, dude. I don't think she's that great in the ring. I really don't. But in saying that, she still elevates the women's division, AW, just purely by her name. I see her becoming Natalia. Oh no! No, I, I, I no, I, <laughs> I, I see her as the person who is going to kind of be in the middle of the women's division. Um, every once in a while, she'll get pushed up to a main event challenge for the title. She may even win it at some point, but she'll probably oh, she lose will. it more than more than she wins it. Um, but I see her kind of being that general backstage, like Serena Deeb, we haven't seen in a while. Like I see yeah, her kind of in that role, like the leader of the locker room, the the locker room mom, the one who kind of keeps everything together. Like I could, I absolutely see Ruby in that kind of role, kind of like when, what Natty is for the WWE roster. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, really? No, it's, it's, she it's seems a great happy. spot. It's a great spot. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, but like I said, I just think she needs a bit of work in, in ring still, man. She comes across as sort of robotic and clunky at times. Maybe it's just me, but that's just what I gather. You know what I mean? It could be ring rust on her too. That too. Because she didn't seem that bad in WWE. And the adjustment from a WWE style to 
what we've gotten in, inside of AEW, you know? So right, absolutely. No, a little I, different no, presentation. True, man. Uh, no, Punk, for sure. Punk takes on Powerhouse Hobbs. The match goes 13 minutes and 35 seconds to kick off Rampage. Uh, what did you think of the match? Brilliant. I actually think this was Punk's best match so far in AEW. It was well, much better than the Darby Allen match. match. I mean... Right, but it was <laughs> night and day, I felt, compared to Darby Allen's match with CM Punk. This match was hard-hitting. I felt like they've got great chemistry. They really do. I, I don't know what it is. It just... They seem to have clicked. Powerhouse Hobbs. I used to call him Ice Chain Hobbs. Shout mm-hmm. out to the professor. As he does, you know what I mean? But... And now... You know what? He's not Ice Chain Hobbs anymore, man. This dude legitly is the future, possibly, of AEW. He's, he's, got, he's got charisma, dude. There's something about him. I love the way he looks, the way he stares at the camera. Just that everything about him. gets it, Snarl is he, gnarly. I love it. He's yeah, got a great yeah. snarl face. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love when he does that. It just it goes, man. I, I possibly think he could be a huge deal even in WWE in the future, bro. I kind of see Powerhouse Hobbs as Biggie Langston. I was going to say that. I was going to say it, right? But I thought, but I was even dare say he would be better than Biggie. Yeah, I think I, I he's could better. See That's how good. I could That's see how it. much I rate him. I, I, I like him. Uh, he's got a ways to go, much in like that Brian Pillman oh, kind of range. But when I look at course. the talent they're developing, I think they're doing a really, really nice job. I thought this was a really good match, aside from the Hurricane Rana from hell that kind of went mm. wrong. Um, oh boy! I, yeah, that oh. one kind of went wrong, and Punk kind of seems like he's trying everything that he's ever done throughout his entire career. And can I still do this? Oh, definitely. Yeah, can he I still like do that. this? Like, and it was like, okay, elbow drop off the top. Yep, I can still do that. Hurricane Rana off the top. No, we're gonna cross that one off the list. We're not doing <laughs> that one. You know, like. Let's let, let's kind of see where I'm at and what I can, what I cannot do. Um, the go to sleep still seems like it's coming along a little bit. Like he's afraid that he's actually going to hit somebody in the face. And I never saw that out of punk before. Um, never. But once he gets over that, I think he'll be all right. Uh, I, I thought this match was good. I thought he got Hobbs up for the go to sleep much better than I thought that he may, um, given the size difference between the two. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I liked the match. I thought it was good. I think it was great, man. I don't know. It just it was a good match. It was a great way to start off the show. It's arguably the best match, but maybe not. Maybe not. Because I feel like one of the trio's matches actually might have taken that mantle for the night. And we'll get to that. But this was definitely a better outing. I'm glad Punk looks better in shit. He looks great, man. He's it was the old school punk again. Mm-hmm. He's back to the to the smaller tights. You know what I mean? I even like the little bit of grey in the beard. Yeah, man. Why not? I mean, it's, I like it. it's, I like it too, it makes man. him look and like it, that grizzled vet who's trying yeah. to prove he's still got it. Absolutely. And he's playing, he's very much Brett the Hitman Hart in many ways, dude. See, I think, I think of him as, as Kevin Costner and Bull Durham. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, That's you where I feel like he's that. at. That's good, though. That's, That's good. where That's I feel like he's one. at. That's awesome, man. Let I'm me tell you something, meat. You know, like <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, you know. <laughs> if he's I could totally Duffy. see that where he's like, Yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see that too, man. Because Punk is very he's he's very intelligent, dude. He knows what he's doing, man. Everything he does is done for a reason. It's not done for nothing. 
And man, I, I, I'm loving it. It's still surreal seeing him in the ring, dude. It really is. It, it buzzes me out every time I hear cult of personality in AEW. Right. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, cool. it's bizarre land, dude, as they say. <laughs> Let's talk about the boom. Adam Cole, Bebe, and the Young Bucks. The Super Click is back together. And God, did I miss watching these three guys work together. They have so much freaking fun. Like, they just have a blast working trios matches. They take on Christian Cage and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Seems as though we're going to get a program between Jungle Boy and Adam Cole, baby, which I, I kind of like that. I can't wait for Adam Cole, baby's story time where he tells me the story of the brave little dinosaur and Tarzan. <laughs> it's going to be freaking fantastic. It's I, I cannot wait. It's going to be absolute money absolute money and i'm glad you said the word fun because that's exactly what i said too while doing the review of rampage it was the fun match dude this possibly was the match of the night yeah sure there was spots galore but it was the match of the night by far it was bedlam everyone was working great i mean these guys and, and the super click i'm like you said i'm glad to see him so back together again he belongs with those boys, dude. Like, you know, next we need we need hey, Steen elite, and uh Don't get me wrong. The elite is great, right? Like oh, I oh, love yeah. Kenny with the Young Bucks, me BTE, too, what it's become, all of that, right? It's great. But the chemistry between Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, I've always enjoyed more than the Kenny stuff. They are just <laughs> intolerable together i mean oh, the biggest douchebags ever like oh, three, dude. <laughs> it, and it's so great i mean like they're just the best douchebags ever you know and 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 that kissing spot man the, the way adam <laughs> cole was like that was perfect dude absolutely perfect but in saying how fun this match is and remember how i was saying earlier it don't work for me brother <laughs> well getting a canadian destroyer by a five foot seven dude on a freaking dog Come on. I love Adam Cole, baby. He's one of my favorites right now. But if I was Luchasaurus, that's when I'd be like, it don't work for me, brother. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to fucking get pinned by a dude that's barely five foot nine in a Canadian destroyer <laughs> on a dude that's like, how tall is he? Six, six. Looks like a brick shithouse, roughly around that height. Come on, dude. Did you... <laughs> see um ever see luchasaurus like unmasked like did yeah, you ever, of did, course well, yeah. I, mean, he, you know, I mean like did you i'm ever glad see he's him, masked uh, did you ever way. see him work like unmasked? he was the worst yeah like the, yeah, the, 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 the dinosaur thing like really added to the luchasaurus thing but for me definitely uh watching him on big brother wait he he did a season of big brother and he did yeah Yep. Ugh, and, tell and, me, please. And I mean, I just, I can't take him serious. Y you know what I mean? <laughs> After watching him on that show, I just can't take him serious. And I've never been able to take him serious. I'm happy that he's doing the Luchasaurus thing. Props it out to Austin and, and do your thing, bro. But I just, I can't take him seriously. Well, let me just put one, another thing out there about Luchasaurus. This is possibly the best I've seen Luchasaurus work. And it wasn't because he's a good worker. Right. It's because the Bucks are such great workers that they made him look like a million bucks, bro. Really. They really did. He didn't look as clunky. The Bucks were bumping like motherfuckers for him. 
if it wasn't for them, he wouldn't have looked that good. But in saying that, if I was as big as he is, and I'm glad I didn't watch Big Brother with him in it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just... Come can't on, take him I'm sorry, but, I can't take but him that seriously. don't work for me, brother. <laughs> valid, valid. Let me talk about something that did work for me, brother. Scorpio <laughs> Sky and Ethan Page together as a tag team. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I love the men of the year. They they might be my new favorite tag team. They may they may replace Brizongo as my favorite tag team. I've been looking for a new favorite tag team. It might be the men of the year with Dan Lambert in their corner. They defeat Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. I love this team. I just think the chemistry between Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky is perfect. I absolutely love it. You know what I love the most though? That Ethan Page was conjuring Alex Wright. <laughs> das Wonder Kid. That's Wonder Berlin. Kid. Das Wonder Kid. He's great, but he's no Disco Inferno. No. Sorry. Glenn's got it over you, brother. <laughs> love me some it's Glenn. true. But I love it's Scorpio true. Sky and Ethan Page together as a tag team. I also like that the tag team actually beat the two single stars that were working together. Um, I'm a big fan of that, opposite of what happened with FTR, Sting, and Darby. Um, I, I really like this this pairing for Men of the Year. Like I could see AEW tag team titles in their future within the next 18 months. They're clicking, dude. They're starting to click, man. At first, I wasn't sure about it. You know, I was never the biggest Ethan Page fan, right? I've always liked Scorpio Sky. But I'm starting to love these real douche. I mean, they're both being the biggest douche douches right now. When that did it's you, almost when did you first see Scorpio Sky? Oh, uh, back in Ring of Honor and, and New Japan, obviously. Okay, I go back a little bit before that. Um I go back to championship wrestling from Hollywood. Where he, oh, he, right. I used to watch a bit of that, right? He he was the the heritage champion forever. Really? Yeah, it, it, kind of like their mid card like TV title. He was very much like the Rob Van Dam of championship wrestling from Hollywood, where he held that mid card title, but he held it forever to where like the, uh, yeah. it, it, it became so valuable. Like the TV belt for right. Rob Van Dam, right? Exactly. Right. And he did this gimmick where he was just he was such a dick he was like such an <laughs> overconfident just he was the best the best the best scorpio sky and i <laughs> loved it i just like his heel character was so good and now i'm seeing him with ethan page who can talk his freaking ass off and i always thought was underrated as a worker might be one of the most creative guys in all of professional wrestling. And Dan Lambert, who's basically a modern-day Jim Cornette, just going out there and telling everybody how much they freaking suck and why he hates AEW, and I, I don't understand why he still shows up to work as much as he hates it. <laughs> but I, I, I love this this entire American Top Team thing they're doing with Scorpio and Ethan Page. I totally agree. And, sp and speaking of the American Top Team thing, Jorge Masvidal, dude. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I I heard that he was there, but I couldn't take my eyes off of Paige Van Zandt. So, you know. Really? Oh, man. Oh, did you see that spot with the punch spot on Jericho? Yeah, was, I, thought, I, I did pop for it. But I, I also oh. saw the knee from Masvidal, and man. that looked fucking nasty. <laughs> that looked nasty, dude. I'm, look, it looked like a blade job that Jericho yeah. did. There's okay. no, that was definitely a blade job. But it looked but, great. Dude. It looked great. And you know what? For a worked knee, 
I'm surprised, like you know that they, that he pulled it off. You know what I mean? So, I could and, see, and he went in with he went in. I could see him right I in the ring. I could see Masvidal making the transition to pro wrestling, and he'd be great. I think, dude. He'd be a epic level a heel. heel. Oh god. Oof. Oof. Yeah, he, dude, he, I love Jorge. he absolutely Man. has that. I want to see him get punched in the face like, quality <laughs> yeah. to him. People talk about Connor, that Connor would be a great pro wrestler. And I think Masvidal would be so much better. So much better. I agree. Just the, the way he talks and that smugness that he has <laughs> to him. Oh, I think I think he is just great. Um, I hope we're going that way, Jago, by the way, just quietly. I, I hope he is transitioning. Yeah, I, I'm totally down. They bring in Paige Van Zandt, too. Uh, Lucha <laughs> Brothers and the Proud and Powerful, otherwise known as the Dead Presidents, take on and defeat the Hardy Family Office. That's right. They want their motherfucking money. Uh, the Lucha <laughs> Bros and the Dead Presidents. Uh, people call them the Proud and Powerful. Some call them LAX. When they came out in the Richard Nixon mass and shit, when they debuted in AEW, I was like, Dead Presidents. Like, just give me them Dead Presidents. Give me my motherfucking money. I always thought that should have been the name of the tag team. Feel free to use that. Um, I think that's where this is going. These two guys aren't going to get, the, these four guys aren't going to get along for that long. Lucha Bros and Proud and Powerful. Even if it's a no, respectful wait. match uh, between the two of them, this is going to end badly. And hopefully it ends with El Triangulo de la Murta or El Square in Spanish de la Murta uh, versus the Inner Circle. Um, I'm I'm totally down for this feud. I mean, get, give me Santana and Ortiz versus the Lucha Bros any day. I mean, we saw it in Impact. It's absolutely fantastic. Let's just keep adding to that history. Absolutely, man. I like the fact that one of them came out as, you know, New York Knicks. I mean, New York Knicks, the Yankees, and the other one was uh, the Mets. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, dude, if they don't get their comeuppance right now, yeah. If they don't pull the trigger with these guys, I don't know if they've done this on purpose just to slowly build them eventually winning those belts. But it didn't work at first. But right now, they're suddenly get hot right now again. Okay, but we talked about FTR. Couldn't right, you make see, the case? Fucking... Couldn't you make the case that they've just switched spots on the card? Like it's it's proud yeah, and powerful's yeah, turn now, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. FTR is down the card. Yeah, their absolutely. time will come. Their time will come again. And Proud and Powerful so. will be back down, you know, where they were. Like, it's just the way that division is kind of structured right now. Well, Proud and Powerful, LAX, Dead Presidents, whatever you want to call them, they should have had a title run a long time ago, really, man. They're, they're AEW originals. They've been there from day one. I mean, come on. Yeah, but look you know at what I mean? look, like, look at the the teams that have held those titles, right? You go right, from no. Kenny and Hangman, and and then you go to FTR, and then you go to the Young Bucks, and then you go to Squares. Yes, <laughs> I mean you know, so it works. It works. As long as they get those bouts by full gear, I think full gear is the next pay-per-view, right? It very well could be Lucha Bros versus Proud and Powerful at full gear. I mean, because at, no. at a certain point, like, it's going to start respectfully. It'll start yeah, respectfully. And then the shit's going to hit the fan. Absolutely, man. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. If Hopefully we get a hot feud, man, because it deserves to get that sort of attention. 
I'm ready for the Lucha Bros to come out in their championship whites because they've joined Los Ingobernables. And, oh, oh that'd be, be awesome. It'd be fucking Dude, great. Hopefully. I want them as heels, though. Yes. Like, total well, heels, yeah. When, when you become ungovernable, you know, <laughs> suddenly, suddenly <laughs> Penta becomes the alpha instead of Phoenix. You know, that's, that's what makes it interesting. Yep. Yep, that's where it's got to go. Penelope Ford defeats Anna Jay. Match goes six minutes and 45 seconds. I took the dog outside to go take a piss. What did you think? <laughs> First of all, I was surprised at, uh, at Ford 1. I mean, I'm actually surprised because really, she ain't a great worker, dude. I used to like the way she was used back in like, when she was a valet for, uh, what's his name? For... Um, Janella. Oh. The way she was used then. I'm yep. talking about before AEW though, yep. even, right? Yep. The way she was used then, I kind of liked because she'd, you know, she'd pick her spots in the ring, especially with Hangman. She'd have a lot of interaction with Hangman back then. But uh I just feel like she's just I don't know, man. I can't get into her anymore, dude. Like I don't think she's that great. Sure she won, big deal. She's never gonna get that women's title. I bet you now I'm gonna Eat my own words. No, I don't see her at that level either. Right, don't. she can do the splits. Big deal. I bet everybody can do splits over there. So come on. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Got the dog back inside just in time to see Minoru <laughs> Suzuki and Lance Archer do the job for John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, all because of fucking homicide. Homicide. What are you thinking, bro? What are you thinking? If I. Minoru, you just pissed off Minoru Suzuki. What are you thinking? Why would you do that willingly? Why? Why? I don't I don't understand it. Um, but it does make sense for John Moxley and Eddie Kingston to win this match simply because it was in AEW. Um, but I love that we got to see Suzuki Goon. Because Suzuki Goon does not care if they win. They do not care if they lose. What they do care about is that they hurt you. That you're going to wake up the next morning and you are going to fear the name Minoru Suzuki. And I think that they got that across. I, Lance Archer beat up the, the the young boys in this match. I mean, they yeah. weren't even young boys, but he was having flashbacks <laughs> to Cork and Hall. You know, he'd go around and beat up all the young lions. And then when the young lions had come to, he had to beat them up again because fuck them young lions. I thought that was a great callback for anybody that actually followed Lance when he was in New Japan. I thought Suzuki, like, the ha-ha-ha-ha-ha spot <laughs> is that, the most right. amazing thing ever. I, I, I thought it was a good match all the way around, 14 minutes and 56 seconds. But Homicide, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> Can I ask before I, I give my comments about the match, but is Homicide now part of AEW? I don't know. I have no idea right. what's going on there. And I'm I'm starting to wonder if we're getting – some kind of like a John Moxley mafia thing going on here where we're going to have like the rejects from society, people like Eddie Kingston and homicide, like coming in and, and they're going to follow John Moxley. Like if we're getting a, a bit of a faction going on here. God. So we're we getting a elevated Ravens flock again. Are we getting something similar again here again? Maybe like, like unscripted violence or job squad. <laughs> what does everybody want, Jago? <laughs> oh. Everybody wants right? to be saved from the ocean by Al Snow. That's what everybody wants. <laughs> exactly. Right? Spot on. Shout, Shout out, out to Al. Al Snow. You bet. 
Absolutely. That's badass right there. But but back to the match. People, like Chris, like I was doing the show with Chris earlier and uh, he asked me, I don't get it. I don't get why this match was the way it is. Why were they beating up people outside the ring? And I explained exactly what you said. The young boy throwback, right? Yep. That's what they do. Suzuki couldn't do that, including Archer, including Suzuki. They do that. That's their shtick, right? Yep, that's Even the last Kinamaru, ZSJ. Right, Kinamaru. Hell, ZSJ yeah. took Naito out of the freaking G1. Oh, I'm pissed, dude, about that. Oh, man, the heat really that that pissed. dude's got right now. Holy <sighs> shit. And then he Fuck taps out hell. Shingo Takagi, too. So now he's going to get a shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. That'll probably happen at King of Pro Wrestling, unless he wins the G1, which I don't think is going to happen. But, I mean, like... They're going to use this. Zach is going to use this. Like, I put Naito on the shelf. That could be a Wrestle Kingdom match. You could see Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. in the freaking dome. I hope so. And I'm worried for Naito, man, because he's getting injured a lot lately, dude. Like, like really, he's pretty Them beat knees. up, bro. Them knees, they get a little bit more tape on him every time I see him. And what was ZSJ even thinking doing that, man, to him? You know what I'm saying? I mean, shit, that looked pretty bad, man. But in saying that, a lot of fans don't understand this Japanese style of, of wrestling. And I saw a lot of people shitting on it purely because they just don't get it, which is annoying. Right. It was a typical Suzuki-gun match. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It, it, and people don't understand that. Uh, look, I get it. You don't have to like Japanese wrestling and whatnot, even though they're they're really missing out, to be honest, right? But come on, how can you shit on this? The only thing I was shit on about this match, they did say it was a lights out match, and they announced it like the lights were literally going to be out, even though they weren't, which is kind of silly. But man, people well, shitting on it need to understand the, that. That's just the way that laugh spot, the forearm spot. It's all yeah, that's all traditional New Japan pro wrestling stuff. Exactly. Um, kind of funny that they bookended this show. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson and then Suzuki Goon versus, you know, unscripted violence. Um, right. They bookended it with New Japan style matches. Um, I, I, I had no problem with it whatsoever. I, I thought it Neither was really, did I. really good. Really, really good. Oh, absolutely. And we know TK is a fan of Japanese wrestling, so he would have been all for it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, as far as the lights out thing goes, that is a shout out to the territory days um, when right. you would have an unsanctioned match. They would turn the lights off, turn the lights back on. And that was just to signify the regular show has ended. This is something right, completely right. different. Well, then if that's the case, right, they should have done that at the top of our number two. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. Let's uh, let, let, let's run down extreme rules as we wrap up this week. Uh, I don't want to talk about all these matches in depth, but th there, there are a couple that I, I, I do find a little interesting. I have some comments on Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. I think this should be the main event. This is what I would headline with. And I really don't know how to call it. I, I think Becky is doing a fantastic job. They even had that whole issue where Becky came out and said, you know, it's about the storytelling. It's not necessarily about the wrestling, to which my response is, if you're doing wrestling right, you're actually telling the story. You know, I, I think that that was just Becky going out and trying to rile up the internet wrestling community because oh, that's what definitely. Becky does. Um, I, I thought it was funny during Becky's promo when people started chanting for Becky, she acknowledged 
acknowledged it. She just turns and nods <laughs> like, yeah, of course you're cheering me for me. Of course you're cheering for me. I'm big time Bex. I, I think Becky is just doing a fantastic job, but I'm not sure if I'd want to see Bianca Belair take the championship here or not. She ain't getting the belt yet. No chance, dude. There's no way that's happening. I think Becky Lynch will go over and that's that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's in my opinion. But I agree with you that it should main event because I feel like right now it's arguably one of the most compelling storylines at this moment in WWE. Yeah, no, I agree. On on the other hand, there's another matchup inside of the SmackDown women's division. I did think it was interesting. Six matches on this show, three of them women's matches. Two from SmackDown, one from Raw. Liv Morgan versus Carmella in a matchup that nobody really cares about. But I I have a real problem with how they're framing Liv Morgan. Because I feel like they're framing Liv Morgan like she should be hanging out with Eva Marie. Like she is the, the becoming <laughs> yep. the SmackDown version of Eva Marie, except she's a babyface. And I, I, I just I don't like the way that she is being presented. And if she is going to be a baby face that I could see potentially feuding with Becky Lynch in the immediate future, they need to clean that up and, and kind of repackage her a little bit because being over sexualized like that inside of a 2021 context is not a baby face move if you want to be taken seriously. 100% agree. In fact, me and Kevin Panetta, shout out to Kev, actually said the same thing on the on the Monday Night Machismo. It's true. Liv Morgan is the baby face version of Eve Marie. Eve Marie. And in saying that, you got, uh, what's her name as well? In NXT. Um, oh, my God. How do I forget her name? Mandy Rose. Oh, yeah. Not exactly the same right now because she's kind of changed a little bit, but the all blonde everything and mm-hmm. that shit all, all red everything to me she's like all blonde everything so i mean you could have them three in a little stable but i do think there's something to live morgan and even marie don't be surprised if there's some sort of interaction between them two in my opinion anyway just, i don't like it i don't like the way they're framing live morgan don't like it at all Charlotte Flair versus alexa bliss in a singles match for the raw women's championship at extreme rules like we we actually have a show where you could put some kind of a Tom fuckery stipulation on this thing to where Alexa Bliss, I feel like, would actually stand a chance inside of the WWE narrative. But in a straight up singles match against Charlotte Flair, like it's extreme rules. Why aren't you using the extreme rules stipulation, regardless of who's gonna win, but in a just a regular singles match? This should be a squash. And I I like Alexa Bliss, but no. No, I agree. I think this Alexa Bliss right now is so childish, dude, that it kind of makes me sick because she's acting like a child. I mean, and I don't mean that with attitude, even though she kind of is, but just even the portrayal, she just comes across like she's 12. Yeah, it's not. I'm ready for the old Alexa Bliss right now, dude. I'm over this fucking fiend wannabe version, whatever she is. I'm just over it. And Charlotte Flair should absolutely annihilate her. Put it to bed, man. Where she snaps out of it. Yeah. Fuck this, man. End it already. Damian Priest versus Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus in a triple threat match for the U.S. title. It's just a regular triple threat match? Like, we're we're, we're not doing anything 
extreme other than having Jeff Hardy in it? Like to be fair, a triple threat match technically is no rules. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I'm looking at this and I feel like it should just be called WWE rules. Yeah, like there's I mean, nothing extreme about this show. <laughs> well, maybe PG rules. I, I just I don't I don't get it. Not the time to take either. the title off Damian Priest, as far as I'm concerned. No, I agree with you on that. But don't be surprised if Jeff Hardy goes over in that match because he's building a bit of momentum. I know, but just do not be surprised. But in saying uh, that, purple, yellow, and blue screams extreme rules, doesn't it? It is what it is. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Let's talk about the bloodline as we wrap up this week. The Usos take on the Street Profits for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Wouldn't surprise me if this actually opens the show and the Street Profits win these titles just to piss Roman Reigns off at the very beginning <laughs> of the show. I mean, because I, I, I want to see a couple things on this. This is the Roman Reigns show, right? I would make yeah. this... Throughout the entire show, there's a couple things with Roman Reigns. Number one, I would have him get pissed off that the Usos just lost the tag team championships. Number two, Roman Reigns is constantly looking over his shoulder because he expects Brock Lesnar to show up at any given moment in freaking time here. And number three, he's got to worry about the demon. So, I mean, I, I, I think I would expect to see Roman Reigns. Let's see, there's six matches on this show. I want to see Roman Reigns at least 12 times on this show. <laughs> I want to see him looking over his shoulder. I want to see him pissed off at the Usos. I want to see him yelling at Paul Heyman, looking for Brock Lesnar. I want to see him paranoid <laughs> about the demon. I want to see him overlooking the demon. I want to see the demon <laughs> stalking Roman Reigns. Like I w This show sucks, dude. I'm looking at this show. Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan versus Carmella. Damian Priest versus Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Sorry, that one, it doesn't do it for me either. The Usos versus the Street Profits, I wouldn't care about if it wasn't for Roman Reigns. This is the Roman Reigns show. Make it the Roman Reigns show. Fuck it. I agree. Why not? And this year, the, boy, look at the difference, dude. I mean, you got AEW so hot right now, even though it doesn't show in the ratings per se. And WWE is just ice, ice cold, in my opinion, right? Except for Roman that, Reigns. Except for Roman Reigns. And Raw was pretty good, actually, this past week. But, yeah, I'm not looking for... I forgot there was even a pay-per-view this month, uh, this Sunday, so... And here we are on Saturday. Yeah. Like, right, what's that exactly. say about this, how good this pay-per-view should be, you know? Yeah. I agree, man, and I couldn't care less. But we're going to cover it. But, well, because this could be a big show because you have the Street Profits defeat the Usos. Roman's pissed off at the Usos, right? You have that storyline that's going on. You have paranoid Roman. You have angry Roman. You have Roman <laughs> paranoid about Brock Lesnar because the match has been announced for Saudi Arabia and Blood Money 4. And he is completely overlooking the demon Finn Balor. And this, oh yeah, is actually an extreme rules match. With all of these things coming into play, whether you have Roman pissed off at the Usos, you have the Street Profits at play, you have Brock Lesnar at play, you have Demon Balor in an extreme rules match. I think Finn Balor is going to win the Universal Championship. I think everything is going to go wrong for Roman Reigns at this show, and Roman Reigns is going to be 
pissed. Roman Reigns is going to be feeling a fury and a rage that he has not seen ever before. He is going to be on a mission to destroy everyone and everything, get his title back, destroy Brock Lesnar and Saudi Arabia, like rather than cool Roman, who's going to squash everyone, right? You're going to have infuriated Roman Reigns. And I think that's a more interesting character as we go towards the winner. I think Finn Balor is going to win the Universal Championship on Sunday. You've been saying that now for the last couple of weeks. So I wouldn't surprise me. But as long as, if this match is first, I'm talking about the Prophets and uh, the Usos, then what you're saying is more than likely going to happen in every sense. Because that's I mean, where it builds. You have the right. Usos come out. They try to interfere. The Street Profits stop them. Things go terribly wrong. So now Roman's even more pissed off at the Usos because now he lost his title too. And I lost <laughs> yeah. my title because you guys couldn't do your job. <laughs> you know, maybe Brock Lesnar doesn't actually show up, but maybe his music just happens to hit towards the end of the match when he's about ready to pin Demon Balor and Roman can't, he don't understand. Like, right, what? No, no, no Brock Lesnar. And then Demon Balor catches him with a shotgun drop kick and hits him with the coup de grace. It's Brock Lesnar's fault he lost the Universal Championship. Like, there's so many ways. It's extreme rules. Demon Balor, you know, drops a fucking anvil on his head. Like, like, it's completely legal in the match. A coup de grace with a fucking anvil, right? There's <laughs> there's so many outs for Roman Reigns. You can take the title off of Roman, and Roman doesn't get hurt in it at all. And it helps SmackDown because now you can do something with Finn Balor in the title, and you've got an infuriated Roman Reigns going after Brock Lesnar. It sounds good. I like it. Like, I mean, and it makes sense. You'd think logically that's where they're going to go next, right? But this is WWE we're talking about. Although they haven't really screwed up the Roman Reigns storyline. So maybe, I mean, it seems like we're going that way. You'd think that's the logical way you can well, go. Well, I mean, okay. So Roman Reigns pins Demon Balor. Let's go with right. that scenario. Where do we go from there? We just have just, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship in Saudi Arabia. Demon Balor is dead. Finn Balor is no longer really a contender in any way, shape, or form. There's nothing, there's no creative program going forward for Finn Balor. Like, what? It's so much more interesting. It's such a better TV show. Yeah. If you put the title yeah. on Balor. All right. How about this, Jago? Is Saudi Arabia influencing this pay-per-view outcome, you think? Possibly. Possibly. Right, but that's I, the case. But, but I don't think it necessarily matters. Because I think the match Saudi Arabia wants is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. I don't think the championship is part of that. Because it, it's well, been announced that that match is going to happen in Saudi Arabia, whether Roman has the Universal Championship or not. Well, this is the Saudis we're talking about, Jago. You know, they like to have everything seem big. So you get Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar and a Universal Championship defense and a WWE Championship defense. Like, I feel like it actually boosts the show versus hurting the show. Well, what about if they work out a three-way between uh, Roman, Brock, and Demon Balor? You can't do that. Sharia law dictates that there's no three-ways. <laughs> 
Yeah, you got to put a right there. That was nice. That was good. Well played, Jago. Well, if that's the case, and th- three ways <laughs> don't work for them, brother. <laughs> where, where do you go from there? Look, man, it only makes sense in what you're saying. Going the other way absolutely leaves a lot of holes. Going the other way, also not a lot in Saudi Arabia. That- that's true too. You, you fucking cut your goddamn head off for that <laughs> shit. They'll cut your nuts off too, but and, and then that freedom to the dogs. But uh, yeah, man, the, you're the also fact- not getting demon Balor in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> let me tell you that. You'd be called Jin Balor after that. Yeah, you, you might get you know white meat baby face Finn, but you ain't getting the demon. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you're gonna end up with like Dolph Ziggler versus Finn Balor for the Universal oh, Championship, no. just so that it's somebody no. believable that Balor can beat. No. You know what I mean? Until we get to Survivor Series. Oh yeah, that's the uh, other benefit of taking the title off of Roman Reigns is if you do it at Survivor Series, then you have Finn Balor versus Big E, and you can save Big E versus Roman Reigns for further down the road. There's no reason to blow that match at Survivor Series. No, and they definitely won't be doing that. And you can have Big E go over, which should. Right. I mean, it all depends. You know what I mean? Like, but for now, what you said definitely is the only way that makes logical sense. It's more entertaining anyway. Well, if look, put it this way. If Bella does lose, you've killed the the demon gimmick for good. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. You might as well well just release him. I mean, release him. Fuck yeah. you're, you're You're done with Finn Balor if Roman Reigns beats him on Sunday. I agree, and that's what I'm worried about. But he should. Maybe you're right. I didn't agree at first, but now that we're two weeks from originally talking about it, it's the only way you can go that makes logical sense. But how long does he keep the title for if and when he gets it? Transitional champion. He's a transitional champion. At some point, I, I would bring Bobby Lashley over to SmackDown during the draft. Bobby Lashley takes the title from Finn Balor. I and, agree 100%. And right. then and then you're often running towards WrestleMania where you can for do Brock, Brock Lesnar versus yeah. Bobby Lashley for the Universal Championship, uh, assuming that you already have The Rock secured because the head of the table story between Dwayne and Roman certainly does not need the title. <laughs> no, definitely not. But I'm hoping it's still leading to The Rock. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I mean, we just you can still get there. I mean, you can easily get there, you know. I mean, it's you, the rock shows up and he's like, Know your role and shut your mouth. The, he- the real <laughs> yeah. head of the table is here. I'm the head of the table. You right, know, exactly. like who the fuck do you think you are? Like he's the King Samoan, bro. As Tama Tonga <laughs> would say, you know, who the fuck is you? <laughs> you know? Who the fuck is you? Who the exactly. fuck is you? There's only one fucking head of the table when it comes to the Ananoi family. And his name is Dwayne. Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. Nothing screams Samoan like Dwayne Johnson. I could see that getting used against him too, you know. Oh, absolutely. They got to give Roman that line. You got to give that to him. I mean, look look, look at me. I mean, because what's what's Dwayne going to say? I mean, what? What? What's, well, actually, what's what? What's Roman's real last name? Exactly yeah, right, but he's half Italian, hence the name Roman. Oh yeah, I Reigns, I, I get right? that, but he's still he is still like branded Samoan yeah. versus no, Dwayne right. Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a fucking politician. <laughs> oh, exactly. Sounds like a politician. Wink, wink. Right. I mean, Dwayne Johnson, twenty twenty four. 
Get the fuck off oh, my WWE right. TV. You know, like. Oh, they're definitely going to give Roman that that line, hundred percent. Like you don't even, your name's not even Samoan. Your name I can is see Johnson, bro. <laughs> you don't even have a seat at the table, let alone oh, the head of the table. Oh, that would burn, dude. That would <laughs> that would burn. That's a Fuck good line, bro. Yeah. I like it. That that is good. That would really burn the rock or Dwayne. Should we say? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I would, can see Roman I would, laughing, saying it. Too. I would strictly have Roman refer to him as Dwayne. Strictly, like I would never ever have Roman Reigns call him the Rock. Never, that, he is Dwayne. Dude, that is possibly the best fucking thought ever. Like, but are they smart enough to actually think that far ahead, though, Jago? That's what I'm worried about. Well, let's consider Paul Heyman as part of this. Paul Heyman is smart right. enough to think of that. But will they allow him to do that? Oh yeah, they would actually. Right now, at this point. Hey, the, the Rock's already fucked off to Hollywood. Let's fucking bury him, right? Well, <laughs> at least inside of the WWE narrative. I mean, because right. let, let's face it. If, if you get Dwayne versus Roman at WrestleMania, I am considering that the Dwayne Johnson retirement match. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I, like, quite possibly. I mean, he is too big of a star. It's too hard to bring him in for any kind of an extended program. You're lucky to get him for one day. Like, I feel like that's it. Like, once The Rock puts over Roman Reigns, that's it. Absolutely. Now, and you know what? I think he would pass the torch to his to another family member. This is the time to do it. Absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. It's Why not? time. I'm all for it. It's time. You bet. It's time. Definitely. Jimmy, anything else that you want to talk about inside of the world of professional wrestling this week? Not that it hasn't been crazy. I mean, we have had like four G1 shows I haven't gotten to talk about yet. We did have Shuri has went over. She won the uh, Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. I don't necessarily like that decision, but, you know, you'll be hearing about that over on Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Uh, Anything else that you wanted to talk about inside of the world of pro wrestling this week? Kind of a loaded week. I mean, shit, we've went like two hours and... I mean, it's just a oh. loaded week. Well, there is one thing we didn't touch on, actually, Jago, that maybe we should. But did you catch Dark Side of the Ring with the Canyon episode? Um, I, I saw a part of it. I haven't seen the entire episode as of yet. Neither have I, to be honest, right? But going by reports, it's another controversial one, man. Well, you know what I mean? I have heard of one controversy coming out of it, and it is quite possibly the stupidest thing that I've ever seen in the history of professional wrestling. Hashtag cancel John Cena. We got to cancel John Cena, not because of anything from inside of the documentary, not because, you know, John Cena had a problem with Chris Canyon being a homosexual, not because John Cena banged Chris Canyon's partner, not because John Cena did anything to Chris Canyon, not that there's any kind of controversy between John Cena and Chris Canyon, because 15 years ago, in a radio interview, John Cena said he didn't like the way Chris Canyon wrestled. That he didn't like the way he wrestled. And so now we have to cancel John Cena. This is quite, and this was the problem. This has been one of my biggest issues going back for years. 
as we change the standards and as these people think they get a little bit of power. We got we got Ric Flair's commercial pulled from TV. He's not going to be going to AEW. We got Tommy Dreamer fired from Impact Wrestling. We got Tommy Dreamer off of Busted Open Radio. And now we're going after John Cena because we let that happen. Because we, as an internet wrestling community, let these fucking trolls get just a little bit of power. And they're kind of like, I'm training the puppy, right? You know what the puppy likes to do to me, Jimmy? She likes to push her boundaries. Can I do this? Oh, yeah, of course. Can I do? Well, you let me get away with this. Oh, well, you let me get away with this and you let me get away with this. I wonder if you'll let me get away with this. Exactly. And the same thing happens inside of the world of politics. And now it's happening inside of the world of Twitter. And hashtag cancel John Cena might be the dumbest fucking thing that I have seen in professional wrestling. And I remember the debut of the Shockmaster. I remember that. I remember (laughs) watching it happen live. This might be dumber than that. Dude, is this even trending? Is it trending? It was last night. It was legitimately trending last night. John Cena was trending last night. Nothing's gonna happen to John Cena. Let's be Fuck if no. The, this is ridiculous. These people are a fucking cancer, not just to the industry of professional wrestling, but just to everything in general. What's these people's problem, man? Like what the fuck is their problem? You know what it's like. You know what I'm saying? You know what it's like. You know what it's like? It's it's like wearing a Detroit Lions jersey <laughs> on a podcast. With a Packers fan less than a week after the Packers wiped their ass with the Detroit Lions. What were you thinking? What is your problem, Jimmy? (laughs) To be fair, I'm not a Lions fan, right? (laughs) I'm just mean because it was cheap, bro. It was cheap, all right? I just bought it because it was cheap. Something to wear, you know what I mean? But, uh, what was I thinking? I don't know what I was thinking, to be honest, because the Lions <laughs> suck, bro. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh. in saying that, you know what I mean? Fuck the Lions, even though I'm wearing this shirt. But, hey, look, it's an old school fucking jersey. It's a throwback. But still, these, pe- these people go, I don't even, I shouldn't even say that. I might get cancelled, Jago. But go fuck yourselves, all right? Seriously. Fuck these guys, because that shit, it's got to stop, man. It's got to stop. Wait till we get the Vince McMahon episode, bro, about the steroids scandal. Shit's going to hit the fan. In the immortal words of bad luck Fale, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> exactly. And that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and then visit us over at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Find us over at Hami Media Group Channel Attitude. Big fan of that one. Find us on Twitter at HTM underscore pod. Find me across all social media platforms at not Jargo, especially if you want to look at pictures of my cute ass dog. Jimmy T, how do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, and the Greeks keep up with you? Hey, well, you can hit, you can find me right here at hittingthemarks.com where you'll find all our shows, but also at pwcnetwork.popping.com where you'll find us there also. In saying that, if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at DJ Mass Effects on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And you can find me at PWC underscore uh, network. So I changed it from show to network on Twitter. 
Look out, ladies and gentlemen. He's Jimmy T from Down Under. I'm pretty sure he can hear the sirens in the background coming right now as he's talking to an American. God knows what he might be talking about. We better wrap up the show and get him the hell out of here. Jimmy, it's always a pleasure. We will talk to you next week. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. You bad guy!